The News About the Brown West Ham podcast is brought to you by 888sport.com forward slash West Ham. And this week, James, we are playing... Man U. Man U at Old Trafford. And they're doing a special offer in association with this podcast where you think of any bet and they will give you triple your odds on the first one. If you haven't thought about doing it yet this season, now's the opportunity because there's going to be goals and we might even score some of them. <laughs> so that's aasport.com forward slash West Ham. Ashton's peeled away to the left. He's the target here. He has Herwood alongside him. It's Marlon Herwood for West Ham. What a hat. Never mind the skill of science and pure football. Sometimes cup football is all about doing the simple thing. Sometimes it's about looking for your front men to combine. Sometimes it's about knocking a 70-yard ball and hoping for the best. They do combine. They combine beautifully. And here would provide a finish fitting for the occasion. There's Ashton. Oh, this is Edrington. Takes on Hoopia. Edrington shot. Oh, final by Rayner. Dean Ashton. And have West Ham gone to it? Yes, they have. It's the second goal. And it's the two players who only just made the team after injury. Edrington and Ashton. And Liverpool are rocked. Hello and welcome to the Knees of Mother Brown West Ham podcast. I mean, joining us this week. We've had a few special episodes this year, but it doesn't get much better bigger than this I mean we've got two guys who really made you proud to be a West Ham fan again firstly 162 appearances 55 goals Marlon Harewood James there he is in front of us actually he's like Christmas (laughs) it's almost Christmas Marlon (laughs) Harewood and and 56 appearances 19 goals Dean Ashton boys welcome thank you hello genuinely as fans we just had that moment where we've been really excited about this we had that moment where we just stood next to him and we go, that's Dean Ashton. They <laughs> <laughs> stood here in front of us. I'm too old to be like that. <laughs> when, was last, when was the last time you two saw each other? Wow. Oh, God. Um, Probably uh, almost when I left, wasn't it? I was about to say the same. I know you left when before, I left, didn't you? Yeah. Well, I left to uh, yeah. Villa, yeah. Yeah, 07. Yeah, 07. Just after a day at Old Trafford. Yes. Yeah. I mean, what times? I mean, such good times. From where from where we start, like so, go the very beginning. Uh, it's twenty fifth of November two thousand three. Westlife are number one with their cover of Mandy. <laughs> 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 yeah. West, I mean, they were good times. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Marlon Westlife at the time, real struggle for them, wasn't it? Very big struggle. <laughs> Not for me though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so West Ham are in the Championship, you know, and I mean, it's just it's bad times. We've been relegated, and I mean, we're so down on ourselves. And then you've got twelve goals at Forest that season. Alan Pardew rings you up. How does this story of your two, your your two time at West Ham, how does it begin with that phone call, Alan Pardew? Bro, it's, it's it's a bit sh- surreal, really, when he phoned me up because obviously I, I was a youngster at Forest from from thirteen, and I just went through the ranks and then carried on playing there. And I think it was Hart at the time. Paul Hart was our manager, and we was I was up front with David Johnson, and we was doing well because we probably scored about fifty goals between us that year. And then we got the phone call from Pards and. That was it, really. After you get a phone call like that, you don't really turn things like that. And you can understand how nowadays when players get that phone call from teams and they're high up and 
what their history and stuff, you don't really uh, turn them things down. So that was my situation when, when I spoke to Pard and what he was all about. And did he, did, did you find out from your agent first or did he call out of the blue? No, like, well, obviously, I, no, I found, found out from your agent <laughs> first that um, that um, Alan Pard was going to give you a ring because he's been allowed to talk to you and stuff like that and then just got from there and carried on. And did, how did he sell West Ham to you? I didn't think he needed to. Because <laughs> once he said, like, obviously West Ham, um, I'm the manager of West Ham now, I'm looking to do big things here and I'm, I want you to be a massive part of that. And then when he said that, that's just, for a footballer, you're just, uh, you're just amazed that he wants you to go and do, be part of that, that, that story that he wants to, to happen at West Ham. But what did you know of West Ham at the time? And I mean... What didn't you know? You know, like Bobby Moore and then the fans and stuff like that. I mean, for you, was it a big club? Massive club. It's just big. You've got loads of players that have been through there, like the Joe Coles now, Frank Lampard, Rio. There, there was loads. Julian Dix. Like when you speak of them people, but my time when I was growing up, there were big people that used to be talked about loads. And obviously, coming from London, you hear about West Ham and Spurs and Chelsea. That West Ham was a team that, that everyone wanted to beat, and West Ham was a team's rivalry. London. It was crazy. So to be part of that now and talk, talking about it is amazing. Mm. And uh, Dean, three years, three months later, Arctic Monkeys when the sun goes down. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a bit bad. Yeah. <laughs> Slightly cooler. <laughs> so Slightly. I mean, similar to Marlon, you were in the uh, you were just been relegated with Norwich the previous year, and there was loads of Premier League clubs sniffing around you: Wigan, Charlton, City, a few that were rumoured. Again, big, part, big clubs. <laughs> <laughs> Pars had to do a selling job on you this time, but a bit easier, right? You're in the Premier League at this point. Yeah, I mean, being at Norwich, I loved it at Norwich, and, and they gave me my chance in the Premier League. But having that taste of the Premier League just made me think, I cannot be in this Championship again, playing Saturday, Tuesday. Not only with my body not cope, I, you know, I wanted to play at the top level, and and. I went to see Pards and he said, come and meet us in a hotel. And I met him at the Hilton, just at Darford Crossing. And I went in and he'd put on like a PowerPoint presentation for me and sort of shown how I was going to fit into the team, how me and Marlon were going to play, how other players were going to fit around, how I was going to get service from Matty Everington, Yossi Benium was going to link up, all this sort of stuff, and how him as a manager was going up to the next level and that sort of thing. So I came out of there thinking... About to play for Bill Shankly. Come out of there! <laughs> I was thinking, brilliant. You know, West Ham desperately want me. The manager's shown how much he wants me. Um, it was it was a no brainer once I'd come out of there. I thought for a minute you were going to say, "Pod, you put on a buffet for me." <laughs> the first one, banquet. <laughs> Edgar Magnuson. That's yeah. what we spoke with Jimmy Walker last week in his buffet, in his penthouse buffets. Um, I like actually listening to when you hear about Pod, like him him talking about himself and how he's progressing as a manager. That's quite a good selling point, is it? Because like we'll grow together. That's a good thing to kind of be part of. I yeah, guess. he didn't lack in confidence, did he? <laughs> no, he didn't. That's one thing he didn't lack. Marlon, you bit jealous that you didn't get a presentation on PowerPoint? Or did you get a presentation on PowerPoint? Was no, it not even printouts? I didn't get to that stage, really. The phone call did me. <laughs> <laughs> I won as privileged as Dino to get that. <laughs> That's why he probably moved on in his progression. As I know, it's, yeah. PowerPoint, yeah, no. well, what he does now. He used to do in phone calls. Now, obviously, he's, got, he's worked out PowerPoint point it's getting better <laughs> now he periscopes <laughs> um so debut seasons uh marlon obviously we get to the playoffs um but and we go through ipswich um on a night at upton park that many regard as one of the one greatest of nights 
It was in down Upton Park. It, it was amazing. Just the sound, really, alone walking out that tunnel. It's, it's indescribable. You have to obviously be part of it to understand really what it did really feel like. Mm. It was amazing. I mean, um, we, we'd, we'd had a kind of difficult season. We'd been playing off, playing well and then not really, but then got into the playoffs and then, uh, like you said, smashed Ipswich on the night and Matt Efferson scored an amazing goal and Christian Daly controls it with his knob and scores. Scores. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, where does that rank in like in your West Ham memories that night? I would say it's it's up there. It's up there because it was a it was a good moment. Obviously, that the playoffs, any playoffs you're in, is a very good moment. And to have it at West Ham that night, and everyone sort of made it made it happen for us because obviously second leg was at Upton Park, and that made it extra special because we we knew we're at home, we're going to have to win this one here. So it, it, that night was really special. And we spoke to Steve Lomas a while ago, and he said, obviously, we go on to to lose the final to Palace, but he said that Steve Lomas felt that we kind of peaked that night and that the performance against Palace suffered a bit. What do you think went wrong when we got to the player final and obviously Neil Shipley breaks all our hearts? Yeah, well, it's it's hard to describe, really. It was one of the things, this long season, and then it's like a final push, really, and sometimes luck comes involved with that as well. Um, That game... Was was it was a, it's a bit unreal really because we we was expecting to win against Palace and I think when you're going into games like that because we was on on form after the, uh, winning the playoffs we was expecting to win sometimes that doesn't go for you and then obviously on the day ships pulled up and then that was it really yeah I mean pretty heartbreaking time after that um, and the, the following season we get into the playoffs again but this time there was I mean completely different right. Starting with that home home uh, the home leg against Ipswich, two uh, two I think we were two 0 up and then obviously they come back to two two but then we go to uh, uh, Ipswich Portman Road and you and Bobby Zamora destroy Ipswich and it break was, their hearts it and, it, and it was lovely. Now that see what I mean now the turbos were reversed if they were because we played away so free it's on them so we went there and we just we got nothing to lose here and that was it really everyone was on on fire that time and obviously Bobby. He was on a different level. He loves playoffs. <laughs> so it was, it was special for us that he's a, he's a, he's a um, match winner on big occasions. And Bobby's, there's a name. So Bobby Zamora, the, the pair of you played with him. I mean, what, what was he like? It was amazing to play with. Yeah, it's just it's just link-up play. It's just new, because there was four of us, really. There was me, Dino, Bobby and Teddy. And just the dressing room feeling, Just just we just had that. Every time we were out on the field, whoever played had that. That um, that communication with each other playing up front. I it was a bit awkward because I nicked his place. <laughs> so, it, 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 but the thing with Bobby is that he he was actually probably the biggest one of the biggest characters in the in the dressing room. He was one of the funniest, and it, at no point did he make me feel like I'm an arsehole because I'm taking his no. place. He actually, if anything, he made me feel welcome in the squad, which I think shows the measure of. The bloke and and what he's like, and then like he's like Marlon said, there was four of us, um, you know, fighting for places, which is actually what you want. That gets the best out of you as a striker, and I think it got the best out of me and Marlon that we had them two breathing down our necks. Get in touch with the show. Email us at podcast at kumb dot com. Join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag kumb pod, or why not follow us? Chris is at CJS Skull with a C. James is at Longers One. 
and Graham, editor of KUMB, is at KUMB.com. If you're on Facebook, be sure to join the KUMB group for all the latest news and gossip. There's also the KUMB forum for all kinds of chatter. Simply go to KUMB.com and click forum. Finally, join the KUMB podcast mailing list. Click this podcast link on KUMB.com and sign up for exclusive content from the studio. And be the first to know about upcoming live shows. Come on, you irons. Marlon, when you come at the club when we're kind of on our ass, essentially, like in the championship, and then obviously you're a big part of the reason we get promoted, and then we start bringing in new players like like Dean. I mean, how how was it for you, like seeing West Ham grow, and then suddenly we're getting more and more, you know, competition essentially for the for the striking places. It's, I think it's a good thing and a bad thing at the same time because obviously you, you, the players are coming in and you don't know what, loads of things going through your mind thinking, oh, am I not good enough now? Yeah. And they, obviously they're getting players in because they want to go the next step level. But at the time, Pard said to me, like, I, I want you, you're a massive part of this team. Whatever players I get in or not players, don't think about that. Just do be you. And I took that and literally I just... Took a took hold of that and just carried on really, and then we formed the relationship. The dressing was awesome, so it, it took care of itself really, and it helped everyone in the dressing room. It's funny that because if, if we, that's why we're overly excited about you both in here because that period of time had players we really cared for, you know, as fans, and you don't always get that. You go through periods where you're like, I don't really like any of these guys. <laughs> it seems to be a really, you know, some seasons there were really good group of lads and it seemed like you really fought together yeah. and that's really good to see from a fan's point of view and I feel like at the minute to be fair I feel like it's quite a good, good team you know you all get on with each other yeah. and that's quite nice to see because you don't as I say seasons go past where you that doesn't that chemistry isn't there between players no but I think that helps in a team when they're going out really the chemistry in the dressing room what we've got because you can tell the teams that are doing well now in the Premier League and the teams that are not doing so well it shows look at Leicester Obviously, their team bonding is massive because I know a few of the players and they're, they've got a good good uh, dressing room and that shows on the pitch. Jamie Vardy's having a party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, good dressing rooms. 2005-2006 season, Dino, which obviously the, the, the year you, saw, you signed for West Ham. What is the atmosphere like in that team? Because it seemed from the way we were playing and, and the results and the way that we celebrated goals that everyone genuinely seemed to get on and it was such a, a relief about the place that we were back in the Premiership. Is that what it felt like? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was when I came in, obviously halfway through the season and, and the team were flying they were doing great in the, in the Premier League and I, I just I'd not been into a dressing room like that before I, when I went to Norwich obviously it felt good because we were in the Premier League but they were struggling at the bottom of the league but to go into the West Ham squad I think probably it helped there being quite a British nucleus and, and so many of the players got on really well and I went in there and it was just such a great atmosphere to be part of that You'd have struggled to have played poorly in that team, I think, because the feeling, the feel-good factor was just there. Did it change over the summer, Marlon? Like from, from from beating Preston, getting into the Premier League, what was there just a, like an incredible buzz about the place? Yeah, big time. Of course, obviously, going getting into the Premier League is it's a 
if no one gets a buzz over that, then they shouldn't be playing football. <laughs> so it was it was an amazing situation. Lads couldn't wait to, to come back to start working, and then from there, it just the dressing room just relight again, and then we just carried on from there. Mm. And I think we started that season like incredible form, um, but a lot of people have written us off. Like we'd, we'd crept into the playoff essentially and won one nil in the final. But I mean, amazing start. Did, did, were you worried about making the step up to the Premier League, or were you confident that? No, I was confident because of the dressing room. It yeah. was, obviously, having Teddy in there as well, he, he's been there and done that. And he, any advice from him would have been massive for for our dressing room. And he, he was just saying, like, go and enjoy yourself. It's 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 going to be hard, but you, as long as you're enjoying yourself, you'll come through it. And that's what happened, really. All the lads just enjoyed every playing against the top players and top teams and they were scared to play us. So it was good for us at that time when we get that atmosphere and obviously that, the dressing room was, keeps saying it, but the dressing room brought us through it because we had such a, a bond with each other, helping each other out when someone's in trouble or not having the really best of games. We will do something to get him out of that and make him bring that confidence back. That's what we had. Mm. So, Dean, your debut for West Ham. Arsenal 2, West Ham 3, coming on for Bobby Zamora in the 73rd minutes. The last team to beat Arsenal at Highbury. You two. How does that feel? You will have that forever. That must be amazing. I didn't do anything. I, I, I promise <laughs> well, you. Well, the game on 73 <laughs> minutes changed it. Exactly. But actually, because I, I'd signed the, the, the week before, the, the mid, midweek or weekend before when they played Fulham at home and I sat in the stand and they were unbelievable. I think... Uh, Anton scored an unbelievable volley. Benayoun scored a chip. It was Repka's last game, yeah. and I was thinking, what? <laughs> you know, there's some standard here that I've got to, that I've got to live up to. And then I sat through that game as well at Arsenal. I'm thinking, I'm going to struggle to get in the team <laughs> at this rate. Um, but then, yeah, to to get on at Highbury was was special, very special. We can just uh, just before we move on. Uh, so Repka, I've got to ask this question. So he was pretty much in tears when he when he went off in that last match. I remember. What was he like in the in the dressing room? Amazing, Thomas. I loved him. He's just the, the coolest guy. Obviously, being foreign, it's always hard the, the the language barrier and stuff like that. But just he's that's what I'm saying. The, the dressing room, you couldn't not have didn't have any bad characters or anything. You just had to join in. And with the banter was flying, and Thomas was just amazing, lovely guy. Got so much time for him. I heard a story that he would he drove a Lamborghini and he'd park up in the car park. The doors would open and just a cloud of smoke would come out because he'd had twenty cigarettes. <laughs> I, would, I, would to, I would love to say yeah. that, <laughs> or we get in trouble. I can imagine him marching in here now as I say that. <laughs> get in trouble. Just made a window. <laughs> I mean, did did Thomas Rapka have the odd cigarette? I mean, I don't know. Are you saying? I leave that one to you. <laughs> he he walked out the door and I walked in. He, that was the game he left. I think Fulham and yeah. and I didn't see him. I never actually spoke to him. So because yeah. Billich used to, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. We we'll, we'll leave that one to you. You can okay. You can, can imagine. <laughs> we're, we're standing on the fence. <laughs> <laughs> rightly so. Um, that game against Arsenal at Highbury. Obviously, I mean, was that the first time you two played together, or had you had any experience of? Playing together before just that night, training really, because yeah. Dino just came in that time, and obviously Bobby was phenomenal that night. And through training, he was because of Sol Campbell had to come off at half time. Yeah. Just, Get a cab home. He bullied him, absolutely <laughs> bullied him, and I think that that made everyone want to. Like, that's what I said. Like the dressing room, once one player was on it, everyone was on it. And then obviously playing Arsenal, um, playing Arsenal at the at Highbury, we can't get any better than that. And then. That, 
that game, Bobby helped us through it. And then after that, it was quite easy. Because mm. then Nigel scored as well, I remember. Yeah, yeah. But we bullied Sol Campbell off the ball, didn't he, a few times that game and having a breakdown because you're having to... England's <laughs> number one defender. Yeah. And Bobby just ripped him to shreds. Uh, Sorry, Sol. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, speak, Arsenal legends, the Thierry on replays that night. Dean, you were with him yesterday, I understand. Did, I mean, did you mention it? I mean, you, sh- <laughs> you should, right? You, I didn't mention it. Actually. I should have. Yeah, yeah, I should have done. But no, I didn't. And and that's the thing. That It's not just any ordinary Arsenal team. That was a proper team that, yeah. that, yeah. that we beat and beat convincingly as well. And I think... That probably that that game probably showed what quality there was in the squad, and and the players that they had at that time. And like I said, for me to join that, I just thought this is going to be this is going to be brilliant. Even though I've got to take someone's place, um, Bobby Bobby being that player. Yeah, I looked at a match report of that game, and uh, this is uh, this is what Arsene Wenger had to say afterwards. We lost, and it's difficult to understand how we lost because their keeper was very busy, and our keeper was not very busy. Have, like, having watched the highlights, I don't know what game he's watching there. Arsene Wenger, is he a sore loser? I mean, is it nice to get one over him? Yes and no, because I like him. So it's hard to to say to, to say now, but as a player, I was obviously happy that we won and we'd done one over Arsenal. But um, he's defending his team, isn't he? So he's going to say that because I, I can't remember having them having a shot that many times because we just bullied them off the pitch. Because you were there for another of uh, my favourite Wenger moments with the, the shove with Pardew. Oh, in a, a way, while. you caused it by scoring <laughs> the last score. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> did you know about it straight away or did you hear about it much like, I, after? I only saw it on, on, like, when I go home and you watch the videos and stuff. That's the only time I saw it. I didn't even know about it until after. Because I was too busy thinking about the lads winning the game because I think I came on the sub the last few minutes and the lads was buzzing about the game, obviously playing Arsenal and London and rivalries and stuff. And then to get the winner for them, it was, I was just more worried about all the lads, really, than what's going on on the touchline. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of lads, so obviously you play with a bunch of characters that West Ham fans are really interested in. Firstly, uh, well, Marlon, you signed at the same time, roughly the same time as Nigel Rio Coca. And I mean, West Ham fans have a difficult, complex relationship with that man. Mm-hmm. What was he like in the dressing room? He was awesome. Yeah? Yeah. I loved him. I got not a bad word to say about Nigel. True leader. First first game he come on, organising straight away, a young person, because when he, when Wimbledon, was it? F- yeah. Um, yeah, Wimbledon. Yeah, he was a captain there, and he, at such a young age, and came into the dressing room, and then he just took it on him and said, look, I'm here to stay and I want to prove something. And the first game he was organising and then since that day he was skip. He was amazing. So, yeah, he's good, great character, great personality. He used to get ripped all the time, but, <laughs> but he took it and he just that, that was a dressing room. Dean, did, did you ever see him smile? <laughs> of course I did. <laughs> no, Nigel, Nigel was a, a proper character, like Marlon said. Again, Super confident, a bit like uh, uh, Anton as well. That kind of young confidence, knows he's good. I know he gets a lot of stick off the fans that perhaps didn't think he was a, a top player, but he was. He was a very, very good player. Great leader, someone who you want on your team, that type of player that's going to organise. I mean, the fitness of the bloke was incredible. Uh, yeah, all right, he might not have you know, dazzled like I'm sure the fans wanted them to see but in terms of you wanting a teammate in your, in your side he was actually a lot better than people give him credit for 
I guess the difficult thing about West Ham is that the fans are not are very quick to kind of get on a player if they don't think you're having a good time. And I think, you know, when when Nigel held his his, his hand, his cupped his ear to the crowd and stuff like that. I mean, how do you think West Ham are a more difficult club than most to to play for in terms of the fans and the fans getting on your back? No, it's football. You get that everywhere. So it comes with football. So it's yeah. not, and reaction from players because obviously you're playing at the top of your level, and that's a reaction that fans want. So it's, it's all it's all the uh, how do I say it? industry that everyone's doing. And you, when you're getting on your back and then you go and score a goal, you're gonna put your hands to your ears. What you're saying and it's it's good banter for the players that are playing and good banter for the fans. They come to watch entertainment and that's entertainment. But Nigel was one of them that he's confident and when he scores, he's going to do that. So I, I love Nigel. He's just such a, he'll help anybody, do anything for anyone and that's who he was. Yeah, it felt at the time as a fan, it felt an unnecessary gesture. <laughs> <laughs> it never goes on cupping your ear to your own fans because Big Sam did it, didn't he? He never had an easy relationship. He did it when we beat Harlow at home, yeah. and he cupped his. He did that, and then that you know that was kind of the beginning of the end for him. I think in many ways, although the beginning of the end before him joining <laughs> in, in some fans' eyes, so yeah. um, <laughs> we supported him. Yeah. In terms of like amazing performances, I mean, you you've all, you both had a few. Marlon, where does the hat trick against Aston Villa at the start of the 05-06 season? Where does that kind of figure Top. in? Number that was one. your best, really. Yeah, number one because it's my. I was going for a rough time getting a goal in the Premier League, and I spoke to Teddy um, a couple of weeks before then, and he was just. Saying Marlon, you're playing really well. Just keep going. Time to worry. It's when you're not getting the chances or not getting in the areas. You're getting chances. You're getting in the areas. It will come. And then when it time come, you're you're knowing that composure in front of goal. And that's what happened. Really, I went through and I just took my time and slotted it in, and then it just carried on from there. I mean, Dean playing with Teddy Sheringham. What did did it change you as a striker? Yeah, it was massive. It was massive for me because he was someone that I'd watch videos on you know coming through the ranks at crew I'd watch videos on Teddy and Shearer um, and, and, and other players and, and to then go and be in the same team as him to pick his brain which I did do um, and just watch him in training as well was important because he couldn't run he was the slowest but probably one of the slowest players I've ever played with you know obviously being a lot older as well but he didn't need to he didn't need to he just knew how to get into space he was so clever um, and then his finishing was razor sharp, and he used to he, ba- he used to come in every single day and do like hundred press ups and hundred sit ups, and that was it. That was it. Ripped. <laughs> Absolutely Literally, ripped. That was it. That's a top <laughs> tip. Is that how you do it? <laughs> I, I can't remember yeah, the numbers, but he, he, he'd, he'd go into the gym, wouldn't he, and just he'd do the same like press ups, sit ups. That's it. And that'd be just like ripped. <laughs> Especially for his age as well, wasn't know, it? Because yeah. he was playing like 38, was it? Yeah. 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 Still carried on playing. There you go. It was amazing. In terms of off the pitch, I mean, you must have took your faces a couple of times. <laughs> to, to be fair, you know, he, he didn't take... He, no, he didn't take us, we took him. Because we had <laughs> such a team bonding. We all went out together, went for dinners. And when we went out, when we went out together, all of us went out. So he was there. He was there. Who was social secretary? Who sorted it all out? Mainly Anton. <laughs> Anton. That's surprising. Yeah. 
Those those there's few of us. They're all they're all together. Anton, Teddy, Matty, they're all big crew then, they're all they? together. All of us like we're going out tonight, having a few drinks with the lads. We all, we was all together. Wherever we went we was just together. One man who hasn't come up so far, but it's a man we've been trying to hunt down for three years. <laughs> Christian Daly. Yeah. So I mean <laughs> Is it, was he elusive back then as he is now? <laughs> what do you mean elusive? Well, we Interesting. Well, we've sorry, got his, number. his number. He won't pick up. He's <laughs> <laughs> one of him, him, Jeremy Kyle, are like a yeah. couple of people we're really struggling to get on. It. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jeremy Kyle, we can forget about, but Christian Daly, I mean, what was he like? He, he's apparently, he's a hard trainer, right? He's got the best very... song about him. You know the Christian Daly song, don't you? Sort of. <laughs> Christian Daly. Yeah. You're the one. love of my life, yeah. for Christian Daly, yeah, won't you? Yeah, yeah. Shake my wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever sing it to him? No. <laughs> no. Don't, just in case he takes you up. <laughs> we had uh, Ludo McCloskey on the phone uh, a couple of years back and we tried to get him to sing, to sing the Ludo song. He wasn't having it. Yeah. <laughs> really tried. You sure, Ludo? No. He went, he went, no. <laughs> that sounds like Ludo. Because <laughs> he was goalie coach for yeah, a while. Was, yeah. right? I mean, what what was he like? Ludo was cool. Was Obviously, it? between the lads, the banter as well, because yeah. he had the characters Jimmy Walker yeah. looking after him. He was on last week, Jimmy Walker on last week. Yeah, so they all Roy they Carroll. Had, had a bit of banter between them, so I think Ludo needed it with Roy Carroll anyway mm-hmm. as well to... To get him going, was <laughs> <laughs> a bit hard work. I, w- I wouldn't say hard work, but he's he's, ca- he's got his own character. So. <laughs> what, what I mean, goalkeepers? Do you let them kind of bat or like get on with it in training? Are they like a different breed to you guys? Because Jimmy Walker alluded last. We had him on last week, and he was like outfield players and goalkeepers are yeah. chalk and cheese. Yeah, separate. Yeah, it's like us and them. Yeah. <laughs> Always with the shooting because. We did shooting almost nearly every day after after training, and they used to get battered all the time. And we have banter because if we missed, then there will be a banter against us. So <laughs> we had a bit of strikers and keepers. Mm. Had a bit oh, of... What, what's annoying? The keepers do this all the time in training is that they won't try. You know, if, if they if they're getting loads of shots really close to them and that we're firing them in, they just don't try. It's so it's so <laughs> annoying. <laughs> They're, and they're just they're just like, well, what what are we doing in here? They're just whacking it past us from five yards. Yeah. Jimmy Walker alluded to he saved his best training stuff for Tevis. <laughs> Essentially, reckons he always saved from Tevis. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he said. Yeah. He's just trying to make a story up. <laughs> he also he also said that Tevis was having a really hard time. Obviously, he didn't score to begin with, and then he just Jimmy Walker decided he was going to let, give him an easy run in training, and let him in, and to get his confidence up. After which Tevez went on a great run. <laughs> so, I mean, is, there, is there any truth to that? Can you rule that out? No, there's no truth to it. <laughs> well, I like it though. Like <laughs> we have Jimmy Walker to thank for everything. The Needs of Mother Brown West Ham podcast is brought to you by 888sport.com and they're doing an offer this season whereby you get triple your odds on your first bet and all you need to do to get that is go 888sport.com forward slash West Ham and have an opinion about how the score will finish, who will get the most throw-ins. You'll have to have a look at all the different options on there. But whatever odds you can imagine, they're tripled on your first one. So that's 888sport.com forward slash West Ham. That 05-06 season, one of the big incidents, uh, apart from the cup run, which we'll talk about in a second, Lasagna Gate. Spurs at home last game. They've got a win to finish fourth. You're getting ready for the game. You hear they've all got the shits. (laughs) 
So talk me through. Talk me through what, how the. How I don't remember that actually. I, now you say that, I, I remember vaguely what happened. Did we play that game or we played it? But it was, I was it was injured. All you were a risk for the FA Cup final. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Carl Fletcher but scored, didn't he? Played. Long range. We did play him, didn't we? Yeah. But it was like all food poisoning. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Who scored? Carl Fletcher and Ben Ayoun, no? Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah we two stopped one. them. Yeah. Stopped them from getting into Champions, Champions League. Champions League. Yeah. And there was when we had little to play. Poisoning yeah. Yeah. They thought it was uh, we had poisoned them. They thought yeah. West Ham had poisoned them. I'm Playing like against Spurs, and uh, especially Delano the fourth, and especially when they've all got the shits. I mean, how, how was that? How close did you on the market? <laughs> <laughs> Not close at all. <laughs> no, I remember because they were. Uh, I remember after the game, like they were all upset and fuming because obviously it was a massive game for them to get into the Champions League. Was Harry? Was Harry? Uh, I think he might have been. Yeah, I think he might have been. Yeah, but I mean, London derbies, especially Spurs, is there? As, is there an extra bit of spice in there playing those games? No, I thought Chelsea was... Uh, big one. Yeah, the bigger one than Spurs. I don't think Spurs was that um, that big, really. <laughs> obviously, it's a big game, <laughs> but not as big as when we, when they played Chelsea. The fans seem to go crazy when it's Chelsea. Yeah. The feeling yeah. I got, anyway. Yeah, I reserve more anger <laughs> Chelsea but you're, whoever Tony Pulis is managing <laughs> you know, when Dean got I was moaning about Pulis Dina who did you most like playing against like Lukaku for instance there must be a team you scored against so Lukaku scores all the time against us and um, he's only 22 Mid- Middlesbrough I tended to get a, a few goals I think for for Crew Norwich and West Ham I scored against Middlesbrough so they were probably the team off, just off the top of my head that I enjoyed playing against um, and Man U actually I think probably because be, because a lot of my family were Man U fans and I'd grown up you know not supporting Man U but then being my favourite team um, I think I probably subconsciously up my game maybe that 1% against Man U desperate to, to get goals against them that's probably what I think and of course, one of the most famous goals you scored—that overhead kick when we were getting absolutely smashed—really yeah. really annoying. I mean, what a goal! Where does that sit in your like all the great goals you scored? Oh, it is my—it is my favourite. It is. I mean, to score an overhead kick at Old Trafford is what I dreamt of as a as a young lad. Obviously, watching them uh, play with Cantona and, and Giggs and all of them. Um, but I actually tweaked my groin at the time. So, you, oh, <laughs> plus we were three 0 down, so I couldn't, so I couldn't celebrate. <laughs> But, but the, um, it was it was nice actually because you can see it when I do that you can see the fans behind the goal the Man U fans actually applauding that which I think is rare they were three 0 up at the time so they can <laughs> it's do it easy, it? But, um, <laughs> but no that was that was special very very special mm. in terms of special moments now oh five oh six let's talk about the cup run I mean probably the thing you two are most famous for and it began in the third round for West Ham against Norwich. And looking at the match report, Dean, allegedly you were injured. Now, can, can we're looking for a scoop here. Were you actually injured for that, or did they rest you because it, it was on the cards? No, I was definitely injured because, because I didn't actually know West Ham were properly interested. There was a few, there was a few teams that were sort of rumoured, but I, my agent actually hadn't had any proper contact from West Ham, so I would have played in that match if I was fit. But it 
does look terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that that PowerPoint presentation was just a twinkle in Pardew's eye. <laughs> <laughs> hadn't firmed it up. Um, no, it, was, it was clever. <laughs> it's clever. Yeah. It's clever. So you don't play. <laughs> uh, a big West Ham legend is it, playing for Norwich that day. Rob Green. Obviously, you both spent a bit of time with him. Rob Green as a man. What was he like? Get on with him. He's a bit odd, isn't he? Yeah. He's a bit <laughs> odd. It's strange. He's got only though, isn't he? First. Well, the thing about Green, because I've spent time at Norwich and West Ham, and I, I get on well with Greeny, but he is an oddball. <laughs> he is honestly. He doesn't like football. Does he's he? so. Someone he's so clever. As well, a very clever man. Way too clever for a lot of us. Just I all that's, that's, stuff he used I to say why, just used to go I'm straight sorry, over our heads. It was so stupid. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. Not yeah. stupid in mental, was, yeah. but just like the banter and what what the lads was all about and doing stuff, ripping things <laughs> up and hiding things. I don't think he was like that because nah. I think he was a bit too more well-to-do, like sort of. <laughs> well, he, 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 yeah, he so, would he, he would openly try and be everything that a footballer's not meant to be so yeah. the ter- stereotypical footballer he hated that idea so he tried to be the opposite exactly yeah, yeah so like that, that's, one, that's the right thing to say to be fair <laughs> you know he'd come out once in a, in a nightclub I looked over and he's dancing with a with a with a rain mac on his head <laughs> he's just like he was he's just a bit weird he was strange he was strange but so, I, I got on well with him when you say weird he was literally doing straight like strange stuff yeah he'd just do the opposite because I think he just I just think he didn't want to be that person. He hated the stereotypical footballer. Yeah, Did he? yeah. And on the team bus, what's he? What's he reading? Is he? Is he reading? Is yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, he's reading. But I can't even remember what he's reading. Oh, it was I can't. Something strange. Either. No doubt. He was. He was a clever bloke. Very he, clever bloke. He's mates with like Jerry Barton now, isn't he? I've seen the. I've seen the pair of them at a gig. Have you? Yeah. Him and Jerry Barton, intellectual. Yeah. Oh, Intelligentsia. <laughs> Joey intending to be smart, but it's Rob Green probably tweeting for. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, we beat Norwich two one. Next round, Blackburn at home. We win four two in the team that day. Uh, another man, and in the team for Blackburn, another man who we found out last week was the centre point of the reason we stayed up the following season. Lucas Neal, who apparently, like, this is this is a bit of a shock, and the forums have become everyone's been talking about this because since Jimmy Walker mentioned it, but Lucas Neal was apparently one of the most electric captains you could imagine, and really kind of pulled everyone together. It, was that the case, or again, is this more Jimmy Walker lies? I mean, he, 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 was, he, was, he was a massive, he was, he's a massive he was, character, but I, I think that there was already enough in the squad and the, the, the character, and yeah, we did, the did, we didn't that, just have one. It, yeah, obviously you have a skipper yeah. that tries to organise everything. We yeah. didn't have one skipper. We had everyone that did that sort of situation to get everyone going, going out, and eating, enjoying each other's companies, and just having a dressing room. So it was hard to. Hard to think because Nigel was such a strong character as a skipper when Lucas came in and, and tried to. Because was it Alec Curbs? Was it Curbs? It was the following season, yeah. It was 06, I think it was January 07 that Lucas Neal came in when we were spotted bother. Yeah, it was, it was Curbs, Curbs the ma- yeah. with the manager, yeah. So, so it was sort of things started changing then, yeah. And obviously, as time went on. Um, but Lucas, he was he was a good good skipper for for the lads as well. He just sort things out and stuff. But he was he he, t- he took on the role took, a lot, was, and I th- I think he had more of a relationship with the manager, yeah, um, than probably a, a lot of the players did. He he was close to the manager and relaying what the manager wanted and that side of it. But I wouldn't say I, I suddenly thought, wow, yeah. wow, Lucas Neal's like 
grabbed everyone and it's totally different. I didn't feel that sense. But he's a massive character, though. I mean, we'll probably get onto Curbs in a, in a bit, but we'll... Um, I can't wait. And, it, and his banter. We hear he's going to play banter. Save the gold. Save the gold. Save the gold. Um, so, who was the best captain you both played under when you were at West Ham? Um, Nigel, me. Yeah, yeah by far. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say Nigel as well, because I... I played with the England youth as well with him and just got on really well with him it was straight from that and then led into West Ham and he, he was a massive character Nige because he could he could do the serious side but then he could be a Wally as well <laughs> I remember when uh, when in a little bit of trouble um, when Curbs had taken over I think or around that time and he was getting interviewed on Sky Sports News having his hair cut in a barber's yeah. <laughs> and it was quite a serious conversation because <laughs> West Ham weren't doing very well no. like in the relegation zone he's getting <laughs> line put into his head this is inappropriate <laughs> but it's, in, it's interesting you say that because um, from a fan's point of view I always thought I thought Nigel was a good captain actually but I didn't think he was as good as someone like Lucas Neal from from outsider's yeah. point of view but then I guess when you're on the pitch you see that probably more from Lucas he's a bit more Shouty, I guess, have been geeing up a bit more. I'd I'd say Lucas Neal's what you would call as like your stereotypical captain. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, serious with the captaincy, really takes everything serious with the captaincy, organises everything. Whereas Nigel was a bit more, um, sort of, I'd say, more about the players, say, rather than the management and coaching mm. staff. Um, and, and was like I said, was a bit less serious with it, but at the same time led by example. That's interesting. Yeah. Fifth round of the cup now. Bolton. We draw nil-nil away. We go back to Upton, Upton Park. It's one all. We go into extra time. Marlon, 96 minutes. You score. Mm-hmm. I mean, it what, a, a, what a night. It was a relief, to be fair, because <laughs> we went to extra time, didn't we? And lads were knackered. So it, it was a... It was, it was strange, really, because we've played so many games. And at that time, lads, obviously the cup games, and we weren't really thinking about... The, not, I won't say we weren't thinking about it, but we, we weren't really thinking about the cup games because obviously we was in league and Premier League. I just want to do well, and we was playing so well, winning games and doing well. And then, obviously, that game went to extra time, obviously a replay, and to get that goal, it was like a relief for the lads because in the dressing room, we were all just sitting there just, like, relaxing. <laughs> we weren't, like, celebrating because the lads were so tired because there's so much, there were so many games coming up. And yeah. then, obviously, we had a game on Saturday again, and I think the lads was just relieved that we've got through that. And then, after that, we sat, oh, sat down, come back to training, and we start reflecting. We think, oh, we can, uh, <laughs> we can go on here and do... Do some good, good, do some good stuff. Dean, did you think after we beat Bolton and going through to the quarters, you think, oh my god, we could actually? Do well, it. this is all new to me. I've, I've not heard. <laughs> I, I honestly didn't know what had happened before I got there. <laughs> so that's news to me about that we only just got through to the quarters. I, I sort of joined, and then the quarters was there. Yeah, so I just, I just came for the glory, just didn't, didn't <laughs> yeah. with the early round. Came at the right time. <laughs> um, but... I like the idea of this. We could fill Dino in on all of West Ham's history. <laughs> so, we were first Thames Iron Works. <laughs> um, but that night against Bolton in, in the replay, uh, uh, Kevin Nolan, Kevin Davies, Big Sam, I mean relatively tough there's, I think there's a load of yellow cards that night I mean, I'm, did you I'm not like Bolton. playing with? Like, it mustn't have been nice playing with those kind of characters and all their tricks no because they're well good at it and obviously been Sam, Big Sam done it, doing it for years and then got successful out of it and obviously coming to Upton Park and that game 
they and we was I think we was a bit nervous about that game because we they're coming to our place and they were gonna we're gonna go through all that again. And obviously to get the winner for them was just a relief really. In the ninety sixth minute. Ninety sixth minute. Crazy scenes. Um we had a quote. I got a quote here from Alan Pardew. This is what he had to say after the game. Marlon Harewood's all-round display was terrific. Although overall, I didn't think we were our best tonight. Um, and then this is what Big Sam had to say. <laughs> when looking at the replay, Marlon Harewood is definitely offside before the ball is played down the line to him, and that is clear. Big Sam there. Yeah, but we weren't bothered about that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, uh, we're going to take a little break right now, and we're, then next week you're going to hear about the uh, the FA Cup semi-final, the FA Cup final, and of course the culmination of both Marlon and Dean's uh, careers with West Ham and what they think about West Ham now and the Olympic Stadium. So a lot to get through. Should we mention West Brom or should we just ignore it? Uh <laughs> Quick word on West Brom. Uh, so Marlon, we you, you were there yesterday, weren't you? Yes. Yeah. What did you think? One all, unlucky. No, I thought first half. I thought the lads was playing really well, and I think, um, and then they got the goal, which helped them. And then they, then that first half, I thought they was going to go and get another one and, and a few more. But I think when they came out the second half, they took their foot off the pedal, and I think um, West Brom changed their tactics, and then it just went all different. It was quite a strange game because second half when they were just sitting back, they weren't yeah. putting as much pressure on as the first half. And then obviously sitting back on a team like that because they are top players you're playing against, they sort of got a bit confident and a bit in front of the goal because they had a few chances and it was a great save for Imagine, uh, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that would have, would have lost the game after that, but he saved us there, to be fair. Um, Dean, you were you were obviously the expert commentator for what I believe was it Sky Sky or Sky yes, yesterday. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, what extra tidbits can you give us that um, you haven't already given to Sky Sports? <laughs> That's big. Um, <laughs> I mean, the thing the thing that I found was obviously Lanzini, Zerati were unbelievable in that first half. Probably exactly what West Ham fans want to see: players that are brave, want to get on the ball. Lanzini was showing tricks, Megs, all that sort of stuff, which fans want to see. And then second half, because Tony Pulis changed it and put James Morrison over on the right, Lanzini basically didn't get the ball because James Morrison actually did the defensive job rather than Sessegnon, who was wavering. And and we never really cope with that change, I don't think. And then Sacco went off, obviously. And I think then we looked a bit, when Jelovic and obviously Carroll came on, we looked laboured we didn't look like we had that extra bit and even though they came on there's nothing wrong with playing long I don't think if you do it with quality but we didn't do that we carried on trying to play through the middle with them two big lads up front and it just didn't it didn't work and West Brom dominated didn't they in the second half so that's that I think that's something that Bilic should look at I think yeah we haven't quite adapted to having Carroll up front on his own as a team no we still try and play it too tippy tappy. Yeah, he's good on the floor, but it's not the right. But he, he still can play it tippy tappy because mm. uh, AC is good on the floor as well. But his his strength is obviously in the air. But you can still play like that. But they seem to go seem to get a bit lost when he comes on because they don't know what one to do. Yeah. So it's a bit it's a bit hard. But I'm sure they get there. And again, we should mention Sacco's out for two months. Yeah. The injury. Oh. Uh, striker crisis at West Ham continues over the years. <laughs> how, much well, we, we <laughs> how much of a problem do you think it is losing Sacco for two months, but on top of Payet already, who's setting the and, and, and Valencia's out, and then the Valencia too? I mean, do you think we're going to really struggle? 
through to Chris through the Christmas period. We all struggle because they're, they're big players. They've been big players for the success that they've got now at, the, at this moment in time. So it's, it's going to be a bit harder for West Ham to to pull out a few games with uh, their strikers down. I, th- I think it's it's the same a bit like last season. If you miss your best players, you're gonna you are gonna struggle. I think the squad's better, a lot better than it was last year, and I think we'll cope better. But I just think if we if we are gonna play Andy up there, then we need to play to his strength and get, the, and get the best out of him. And and I think you could also he's better at home than I think he would be away. And I th- the biggest loss is the pace. Is that the away games at the start of the season was Sacco, <laughs> Valencia. Uh, Paye, Lanzini, yep. that pace to, to yep, break, yep. and um, if you've got Andy and, and Jelovic, they haven't got pace, yep. which is that's that's their game though, is to get it wide and get crosses. Fantastic! All right, well, join us next week as we continue with part two of the interview with Marlon Harewood and Dean Ashton. In the meantime, come on, your